Hello gamers and welcome to Game Warp. I'm Elwood. I'm Kim. And this is the first half of our E3 coverage. E3 2018 has now been and sadly gone and like like Christmas we're sort of now in that state of post-euphoria. The fact we've now opened all our presents and now been left with so much used turkey. Um, but now it's time to recap and look back. So this is the first half of our coverage and we're going tonight we're going to be talking about the EA conference, Microsoft, Bethesda and Square Enix. But I mean, to kick things off, I mean, Kim, how did you obviously find this year's E3? I mean, for myself, it felt like this overwhelming beast of a, a conference going in. And now that we sort of finished it and we've had conferences that have perhaps not lived up to their potential, we've had some disappointing no-shows this year. Um, how you sort of found it? Because I'm, for myself, I found it kind of middling. It's definitely... In the middle, I think. Um, in many ways, certain... Like, I think certain games delivered. Uh, when they delivered, they delivered really well. And then the ones that didn't make it on was obviously a disappointment because, um, you know, as we get through the, the different uh, shows and the different conferences, we'll talk about what expectations we did have going in and, you know, certain things that we didn't see, obviously. Uh, I mean... I think that at the end of this, it's going to be a really, like, big debate of whether it's Xbox, Ubisoft, or PlayStation that came out on top, mostly because those were the big shows, which, uh, at least for, I think, me and you, was a little bit more of a standout. Obviously, there were other titles in the other conferences that kind of made it worth watching, but, I mean, there was improvements, and there was, you know, like, first-time shows, like... Uh, Square Enix that definitely uh, could have been better. But, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll talk further in depth as we go into um, the different conferences as we start, you know, talking about what stood out for us and uh, what we had expected and whatnot. So I think right now is a good time because this is already going to be a long show to jump right in and start with Electronic Arts. So the EA conference was the first to kick off on Saturday afternoon. Um, it didn't have a whole lot to announce. It had at least one odd presentation <laughs> that kind of felt really weird. Um, but what did you think of EA and, I mean, what stood out for you? EA is normally a pretty decent presentation. So it's actually very surprising to see them drop the ball the way that they did this year. Um, certainly one of the things we've come to expect from the EA press conference is that is the big multiplayer game to round out their conference. And this year, we didn't have it. Um, for some reason, FIFA was like the game that they were pinning all their hopes on this year. And really, FIFA football, I mean, while we have the World Cup, I mean, it's still a very diverse sport and certainly doesn't really translate to a huge amount of gamers when it comes to obviously sports sims. So I think a lot of us were expecting Battlefield Five to have like the big... Uh, multiplayer demo at the end and instead we got what, a little bit of FIFA 19 which I think at, wh at which point people were either complaining the fact that we didn't see Skate 4 or just complaining the fact that they were having to sit there and watch uh, 
a FIFA demo when they'd obviously taken the time to sit and watch the conference expecting something a bit more of a payoff. But, you know, I mean, the deal is that, the deal is that, like, you talk about multiplayer, and I feel like this show is really, it kind of made me laugh, because everybody's giving a lot of grief between, you know, how EA is really into the boosting that whole multiplayer market, that this is the new trend, this is the way to go, and everything should be in this multiplayer universe where everybody is, you know, in the same world and that sort of thing where you can play with your friends all the time and that sort of stuff. Whereas Bethesda last year was all for the single player games. And it's been a constant debate. Obviously we'll debate Bethesda standpoint, which seemingly has changed um, at least slightly (laughs) from then. Um, Maybe embracing the fact that EA does have something in their plans, which seems to work, but EA has kind of changed their tune a little of remembering to enjoy single-player experiences. Obviously, they always have it. Battlefield once had their own um, single-player campaign as well. Uh, many of the games have their own single-player campaign, but obviously it's not as fleshed out as a really focused multiplayer one. So, I mean, EA went through Battlefield Five, which was which is set in World War Two, which kind of is in competition with World, uh, the Call of Duty World War Two. Um, I'm not really sure. Like, I, I don't know. I've never, I never played Battlefield, so I'm, I, I guess this would have been a really nice segment to get our son, um, except he wasn't available. <laughs> no, he, he was, uh, pretty sad. I mean, uh, I still gave it, I think, tapped out on day one, which is always uh, a great sign. But when we look at Battlefield 5, I mean, we've obviously moved from World War One to World War Two now. Most interestingly, the fact that here, they're choosing to make it less of the boys on adventure and instead focus on the untold stories of World War Two. To quote uh, EA, it's so about the moments of terrorism to real and relatable characters. Um, obviously, front and center, we have these female soldiers being featured. Um, this was a real theme of EA is the fact that we're seeing more and more games featuring female characters up in front of the lead or the option to choose um, a female character that's the same on par as a male character, which is really great. We obviously saw it with the new Assassin's Creed that's coming out, which gives you the option to mm-hmm. be either a male or female character. And certainly with Battlefield Five, um, we got we see female soldiers featured throughout. Uh, in particular, Nordley's World Story, um, which was like the first of the war stories from the new game to be revealed, uh, will follow a female soldier on the battlefield and. So then it's really great the fact that they're choosing to highlight the role of women within World War Two because they're sort of like these unsung heroes of the war. And certainly anyone who does a little bit of a Google search would know just the role that women played, obviously, outside of just working in munition factories, which is obviously the ter- role that we tend to think of when we think of the role of women within World War Two, the sort of taking uh, on the role, the role of, the, sort of the home guard and keeping the homeland running when they were actually key soldiers obviously on the front line who were women and it's great for them to obviously be represented by uh battlefield 5 um unfortunately we're obviously going to see this trend this year of the battle royale game and it seems every game is now having to bring in a battle royale mode because player unknown battlegrounds and fortnite all are very popular at the moment so think games such as like Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and certainly Battlefield 5 are all seeing their battle 
Royale modes avid. Uh, on the plus side, we have seen the removal of loot boxes and premium passes. <laughs> a big emphasis in EA this time, a huge emphasis. Um, I think I think that, like I said, I think EA is addressing a lot of the negative uh, media that they got last year. I think it's good. I mean, I was never a big fan of loot boxes to begin with, not that I played a whole lot of multiplayer games. Mm-hmm. I mean, moving on from uh, Battlefield, uh, yeah, Battlefield 5, uh, we obviously got the announcements for Star Wars, um, I thought it was really odd for the Respawn Entertainment to go on in the middle of the crowd. It was a fairly awkward announcement that uh, Jedi Fallen Order is in is currently in development. It's going to fall between the third and fourth film in the timeline. There was no trailer. It's just pretty much expecting to have a holiday release in 2019, uh, which I suppose will have its main feature for next E3. But of course, I mean, Battlefront 2 is another multiplayer game, which kind of um, hit a little snitch when it first came out. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, it wasn't quite the launch that they EA were hoping for. I mean, they had already encountered problems with the original Battlefront for Star Wars. And the fact that when they released the second game, they're expecting that they'd corrected all these issues only to basically find that they had a whole bunch of other issues that... They've slowly been correcting and players have been returned to the games, but it's been sort of like a long road to hope for the game. And um certainly hoping by tying it in more with the release of Solo and to focus on the Clone Wars in particular. So they're going to be bringing in characters such as General Grievous, Count Dooku and Anakin Skywalker um, as playable heroes in the game, which... So in the case of General Grievous, has been a very long time coming. Um mm-hmm. And... They're also bringing in such like elements such as like Ewok hunt um, to try and bring people back. But you have to wonder with the amount of uh, first-person shooters currently out there at the moment, not to mention like all the free battle royale-style games like Fortnite and Player Unknown Battlegrounds, whether it's going to be too uh, too a little too late really for for Battlefront Two. I don't know. I mean, Star Wars has its following for sure. Um, Obviously, uh, I think that there's still a market for it. There's still people who are, I mean, pretty much fans. Uh, Obviously, the announcements for the Clone War characters um, really got the the fans really excited in the crowd. And I mean, if you judge from crowd, uh, just the crowd reaction, it seems like it's going to really capture its audience, obviously. But I mean, whether it actually delivers as well as de- is our characters really enough to, you know, bring back an experience that felt lackluster in the first place? I feel like a lot of people might go into this feeling a little bit skeptical as to whether they can truly redeem themselves. But I mean, we'll see when everything gets released and how everyone feels about it, um, what the reaction is. I was just about to say, I think EA generally have a lot to redeem themselves for this. I mean, even when you look at the big heavy hitter of the the conference, Anthem, um, Anthem basically, the more we saw of it, it just basically came out like, oh, it's just Gears of War in an Iron Man suit. It's like, oh, this is not well, quite the game we were hoping for. You know, I, I was looking at Anthem and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of like the formula for Destiny 2. This is how Destiny 2 was marketed last year. <laughs> <laughs> and then you add in this like space element, like this kind of like I don't know, 
uh, weird, uh, this different world element to it. And that's what, that's what it is. You know, everybody is, I mean, as we go through the shows, I'm, I'm probably going to be pointing out that a lot of these games now have become this open world playground. And it's just, everybody is in the same space playing in a, same world, the world changes, it's all simulated, everybody gets the same world. I, I'm, this is really cool. It is a really cool thing, but it's not unique anymore when every single company is doing the same formula now, obviously in their same universe. But then, I mean, you can argue that about other games with their own um, setting and their own characters that will make it unique to themselves. Moving on from Anthem, uh, obviously one of the heavy hitters for me, uh, being the indie person around here, it would be the EA Originals. Um, we've seen a lot of success with EA Originals, uh, Unravel, most of our hearts because it's a debut of our of the Game Warp podcast, the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, you know, we had Fee that was released earlier this year, A Way Out that was released also uh, in February. Now, of course, the big announcement for me, at least, or I felt like maybe the highlight of it all was Unravel 2 because it would be available the day of, and it is currently available. It is now um, not, it could be a single-player experience, but it is a co-op experience, essentially, because now you have two Yarnies after our original Yarny had his his yarn pretty much um, detached or broken from him. I love Coldwood Studio and what they're doing with Unravel. I think that, you know, obviously Unravel had its little problems with the puzzles and stuff like that, and having two players play it might might prove to be a frustrating experience. Um, it would really wait to see. We we are really eager to try this game out. I'm, I'm very certain that, you know, it's one that we're definitely going to be hopping into um, sooner rather than later. But, I mean, what did you think about it? I mean, I'm excited, obviously, to see more Unravel. Um, I think it's certainly great to obviously see it there, and especially the fact that EA Originals has been left, has not been such a, a flash-in-the-pan idea for EA that perhaps it may have been seen as. I mean, we're two years into the project now, and as you said already, we've seen Unravel, we've seen A Way Out, and um, all titles which have seen big sort of promotion. I mean, A Way Out especially, I think, was the greatest promotion uh, band wagon I've ever seen with its creator uh you know being doing some subtle work at uh, things such as like the video game awards we he uh made some subtle appearances to promote his, his game and uh, I think <laughs> it's only interesting to the fact that we're already on sequel for Unravel 2 which came really out of nowhere and the fact that it's now two Yarnies which sort of gives that multipolar element and if you want you can just play by play with uh, yourself and just uh Work with, control these two uh, these two Yarnies. Um, they do yeah. look a little creepy when they just like if you're playing single player because they just basically morph into like the one Yarny. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like half red and half blue. Yeah, um, it looks yeah, kind of creepy. I, we were talking about it earlier today about how like we we had the challenge in our thing to to do the Yarnies originally um, as a, one of our first challenges. Obviously, I didn't. I haven't seen yours ever. Mm. Um, it looks like but... the uh, Yarny too. <laughs> <laughs> this mutant thing. Just... Well, okay, so EA Originals has their next game, their upcoming game, really uh, that they teased as well, called Sea of Solitude by Joe May Games, which is a independent Berlin game studio. Um, it's about uh, a girl who suffers from loneliness, and all of her emotions basically turns her into a monster. 
Um, this is her journey to see what, you know, like her journey will pretty much let her realize what happened to her and find out how to become human again. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks interesting. It's, um, it's only a, an interesting looking title, but at the same time, it's got that sort of art style that until you actually play the game, you don't know how it's going to be. But certainly from the surface level, it looks it looks good. Um, and it's certainly the sort of original sort of titles that we were hoping to see from the EA Originals brand. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just keen to 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 play it myself now. It's it it it, um, yeah. it 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 just looks really sort of interesting. This this idea of representing loneliness and exploring these sort of deeper themes uh, for video games, which is really what the indie scene has been all about sort of like recently so um yeah. i'm certainly keen to uh, see more and certainly it inspired me more than command and conquer rivals which uh, sort of like <laughs> made me roll my eyes so hard especially i mean anytime we mention esports and we have we see what this new generation of uh of, of aliases that these kids come out with and i've got some guy called nick at night and it's like oh you copied the name of a TV channel. That's very clever. Um, <laughs> and you're a mobile game prodigy, right? So you've uh, you've managed to master the art of procrastination. Very, very good for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Command and Conquer Rivals. I feel like you're taking a stab at me right here, okay? I'm just because a stab at you. I, mean, no, I do have a mobile game roundup that I work on. I mean... I'm not stabbing at you. I'm just saying that when you got these guys come out and they thought they were such hot shit, I was like, just... <laughs> Just sit down. To be fair, um, I am not a fan of real-time strategy games because they are a real-time consuming thing. Like, it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm, you know, I mean, I think the title of Command and Ca- Conquer is going to be what draws people in, um, if anything. So, obviously, if you're still interested in uh, checking out Command and Conquer Rivals, um, it will be releasing on iOS and Android. Um, currently, you can pre-register on the Android uh, on Google's Play Store, and you will be able to access the, uh, I think it's the pre-alpha version right now. Well, that pretty much wraps up EA for uh, their conference. It wasn't a whole lot of stuff. There was a lot of multiplayer and all that stuff. Um, obviously, moving into a bigger show, which was uh, kicking off on Saturday, uh, was uh, the Microsoft conference, uh, the Xbox E3 briefing, uh, it, which gave us 50 trailers. Amongst those was 18 exclusives and 15 premieres. Uh, yet another very, very packed show. Um, obviously, uh, Elwood is our Xbox veteran here. So I'm gonna pass it on to him to what he thought about it first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously after the disappointment of the EA conference, I mean, EA is always the one that like it's supposed to kick off the whole of it, the E3 conference. I mean, it's the one that gets us all amped up for the sort of four days of conferences you have ahead of you, and we're sort of like there. We've got our big like foam finger and air horn, and we're like all ready to go, and it's sort of like oh. So um, when we go into it, we're going to Microsoft. There's sort of like. You're a little defrauded straight off, and I mean, Phil Spencer tweeted that we were going to see 15 premieres, and we thought, oh, you know, after last year, you know, that's a little lighter. We can, we we can deal with that. Um, and uh, instead, uh, the the 15 just turned out to be just the world premieres. As uh, this year, I mean, it was 50 titles, uh, 18 
or Xbox exclusives. And the the exclusive in particular is something that we're really excited about for as for Microsoft in the fact that the Game Pass mean will give players access to these games from day one. Um, so there's a lot to be excited for for Microsoft just from their current plan. And it seems as of last year, really, in the release of the Xbox One X, that Microsoft really decided to start coming out swinging as they were kind of like seen as uh, as losing their way slightly, especially with like when we were looking at what the Switch was doing, what PlayStation were doing. Uh, Xbox seemed to be kind of floundering, and sort of as of last year, they seemed to have decided, no, we are still here, and we're going to come back out swinging and, and show that we are still contenders here, even though. Microsoft have really gone off on this weird track of unity as of last year as well. They're all about, you know, let's all get together and play games and achieve things through games. This is awesome. And, uh, you know, I think this is especially seen when we look at who they've signed on uh, to now work with. I mean, we've got, what, five new studios that they're working with because you've got the initiative, uh, you've got Undead Labs, obviously State Decay. Uh, Playground Games, who make Forza and Forza Horizon. Ninja Fury, who did Hellblade Center's Sacrifice. And Compulsion Games, who are working on We Happy Few. I mean, yeah, I'm obviously the Xbox fan here. Kim, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm really new to it, because I just upgraded to a Windows 10, which has that really bum factor of that a lot of indie games are only Xbox accessible and not Windows 10. So it's really sad when I have all these games I want to play, and especially when you look at the ID at Xbox listing, those games, there are quite a few titles that I want to play, and I'm really hoping that it's going to have Windows 10 access, um, because I just don't have the unlimited cash to fork out money for an Xbox uh, Xbox at this current moment. Um, Obviously, we're hopping right back right into the show. There was a lot of exclusives. I really do want to talk mostly about the exclusives because that's what mm-hmm. I think that's the revival of really, um, you know, at least revival for some for Xbox. Of Obviously, there are fans out there who really believe in Xbox and that they don't really need to be revived. They're perfectly fine the way they are. Obviously, like this show really um, made it obvious that Xbox has a lot to offer still. Um, I know that you know, obviously some of the Xbox exclusives that they talked about, I think, included, like, DLCs and updates of current games that were already out, and I think those are included in there, like Sea of Thieves and and that sort of thing. But, I mean, right off the bat, uh, we got, uh, I believe, is I believe Halo Infinite is an exclusive, continuing yeah. on in, in the Halo franchise, obviously. Uh, we have games like... Uh, Crackdown 3, which obviously Terry Crews led the way into, you know, obviously Terry Crews' unmatched charisma in really uh, selling these games. Uh, You know, like I said before, Sea of Thieves update, which we'll see uh, two DLCs, uh, Curse Sales, which will launch in July, and Forsaken Shores in September 2018. Um, Of course, we get, of course, like one of the, I think one of the big highlights was really, um, the exclusive world premiere for Forza Horizon 4. Uh, I mean, I'm a car racing person. I think one of the reasons I wanted to update to a Windows 10 was to eventually get a chance to try uh, Forza Horizon 3, but I am more than excited to try Forza Horizon 4. Uh, Of course, it is a game that, as they say, is kind of an open world simulated to everybody, 
um, just like all these other games, like just like Anthem we were talking about, um, set in uh, historic Britain. And um, it's best to play with friends because you can do quick chat and hit people up and make friends. And it seems like a really cool playground game. Like, I mean, I'm not a big fan of motorsport just because I'm more of an arcade player and this is more of an arcade title. Uh, I don't know what what else stood up for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously Forza Horizon 4 um, was a real sort of standout there. And where we obviously look at all these games now, which are having this sort of like live playground where the what was originally computer characters is now being replaced with real players. Um, I don't think this is going to be so much of an issue with, uh, with when it comes to like Forza Horizon because, as I said already, you always encountered other races on the map and it was just computer-controlled characters. So the fact that we're replacing them with actual people, I think it's going to be really great. And the fact that you can't just go around being a, an idiot and blowing people up makes it even better for Forza. But, yeah, um, obviously with this latest edition, they're going to be moving to Britain. Um, it's going to have changeable seasons, which really make a difference to the world. Um, with a prime example of this is that we saw... Um, I believe it's a section set in Scotland, and we saw it during summer, and it's all like really lush veg- uh, tree vegetation and trees, and it looks very nice and green. Um, then it switches to winter, and it's like, oh wait a minute, we can now drive on that lake we were just driving past. So the course is completely changed depending on the type of year, uh, type, time of year it, that it's actually taking place at, and certainly. The Forza Horizon series, it's always been kind of like the little smash mouth cousin of the Forza Motorsport series. And it's a real great uh, series, especially if you're a fan of arcade racing, because it doesn't procrastinate over all those tight little turns. But I know when we're certainly doing the, we were doing sort of like the, the live chat between myself and Kim, and Forza Horizon came on, I sent her a message, I said, looks like you're going to have to buy an Xbox now. Because <laughs> um, I know that uh, our stunt gamer is probably just uh, gleefully looking at uh, getting his hands on well uh, well i mean um i mean of course we have to do a little bit of promotion uh our stunt gamer runs the uh racing simulation segments in on the channel so currently there's gran turismo sport and assetto corsa um upcoming is project cars 2 but forza motorsports would be more up his alley just because of the fact that that's more of a racing simulation game arcade games are up my alley <laughs> and um hopefully hopefully once i get a chance to you know um gather up some money by then <laughs> i'll get this going and we'll stream it or something um i am hoping to get a racing stream eventually up uh, uh going on here eventually i just it's just you know we're always so packed with games and stuff that we never get a moment yeah. to think about other games that are like a billion hours long yeah, new competition. Buy Kim an Xbox. First one to do it wins. <laughs> if you can help us, let us know in the comments section. <laughs> or, uh, hit us up at gamewhatpodcast at gmail.com. The, um, the reward is that you can tell me to play anything and I will stream the entire game all the time. <laughs> yeah. Extra incentives. Um, the reward is obviously. that you get to help us broke gas gamers. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> um... We also have an indie, we have a few indie exclusives, um, obviously coming right off from uh, having the announcement that Compulsion Games is part of, uh, has now been, you know, acquired by Microsoft, uh, is We Happy Few. 
And we happy few. It's been in early access for like what two, three years. I mean, when we, I think it was announced. Like we saw the first footage when we covered this what two years ago. Yeah. And um, suffice to say, I mean, this early access. I think it's a real kick in the butt when you're in the early access for so long because people go from anticipating to just wondering what's going to happen next. Um, obviously, the trailer we saw here uh, does get me a little bit more excited because now there's more of an idea about, you know, why are these people in masks and what is this drug? And there's an actual struggle between people who actually don't want to be in this, you know, forced, joyful world and that whole sort of scenario. And I think that, you know, there there is quite a bit of potential. Like, I have a newfound interest and intrigue in discovering what this game is all about. Um, I know this is one of the titles that you were really looking forward to. Uh, so, the, you know, I don't know how you felt about it before this was released and the wait time in between till now. Oh, I mean, we have a few. It's very sort of, it's sort of like a, a Terry Gillingham take on an Orwellian world. Um, and at the same time, I think there's a lot of people comparing it to like the likes of Bioshock. Uh, it's, yes, I mean, visually it looks really interesting. I mean, with the fact we've got the population being forced to be happy by taking uh, taking joy, um, and it certainly looks as if it's there's something still there. Um, whether interest is still there, I mean, two years two, two years later, I mean, this was like the first time we were at EA. We got very excited about We Happy Few, and then. We sort of moved on to other things then, because yeah, if you're going to do early access, it does help if you sort of like corner it pretty early on and don't just sort of like leave it hanging out there. Um, and especially as a an Xbox exclusive, it would have been really great to sort of get on and make more of it. But now it sort of like felt lots. Of, it felt kind of like oh that that hasn't been released yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. so, I actually had that same thought go through my head. I was like. Oh, wasn't that released a few months ago? And then I was like thinking, oh wait, I think it was an update to the early access. I can't remember anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think that what's really funny is that maybe We Happy Few wasn't quite as exciting as seeing Session happen. Uh, I mean, I am a huge like per. I am hugely interested in someone like remaking California games. Um, even though I've never played much of any of the Tony Hawk or whatever skating skateboarding games, Session looks incredible. I mean, I remembered seeing it when it was first announced. I think a few months ago, and I was totally sold. I mean, maybe it's the fact that right now we're really selling on these extreme sports and these sort of like really stunt stunts and all these things that you can do. And it gives you this kind of arena to embrace these things without breaking your arm or leg or neck or whichever body part that you don't want to be put in a cast for too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's always nice to, to have the ability to play the... Uh... To engage your inner daredevil without obviously the horrible side effects and yeah I mean Session really came out of nowhere I don't think anyone was expecting a, a new skateboarding property I think maybe because we were spent all our time sort of focused on when Skate 4 going to come out the fact that they sort of snuck out Session and the trailer looks really good the soundtrack was really awesome as well um, whether it's going to be the game which takes the Tony Hawk sort of crown for skateboarding games uh, whether it's obviously going to 
fill that gap between us getting Skate 4. It remains to be seen. Um, certainly, I would say it's one to watch. Much like the independent games that were featured yeah. throughout the Microsoft tournament. I mean, Microsoft really have gone out of their way to create a very nice platform for independent gaming. Uh, front and center, I mean, the biggest of these would be Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Now, we obviously played Ori in the Blind Forest before, and we both both enjoyed it. Certainly, when we saw Ori and the Will of the West, this game looks fantastic. It, it looks really great. Looks I mean, it really helps that, you know, you're seeing now Ori has these different mechanics, like he's in this, like, mine cart going somewhere, and, and you see all these different ways that, that you know, I, I think the changes will really help. Um, it's going to add a little bit of difference while still retaining everything that made it so charming in its first game. You know, you talked about Ori, obviously. We also got a snippet of uh, Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, but I'd love to talk about that um, in Square Enix's conference. At the same time, obviously, ID at Xbox gave us um, After Party, a game that I think is going to make my 2019, uh, because it's from um, the, the Night School Studio, which are the developers of uh, Oxenfree, which we both love dearly. Um, obviously, there's also Below, which is a game that has been in the making for a really long time. Um, we first heard about it uh, when we were talking with um, Slay, uh, a.k.a. Insomniac Knights. Um, and it looks very promising. Obviously, there's a very popular Dead Cells, which is coming out, and uh, Sable, which we'll also talk about at the PC Gaming Show, which we'll cover later on. Some other titles is, you know, Cuphead has their new DLC, The Delicious Last Course. Um, it has a new character, it has new bosses, um, some new levels, um, and um, maybe a little bit of a heartbreak for me at the same time is that an exclusive is, uh, Tunic is an exclusive title, which is kind of like um, a fox in a fox Legend Zelda. of Zelda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it's got uh, a green I, suit on. It's Link in a fox costume. <laughs> That's is, what it is. It is incredibly cute. And it made our top 10 indie E3 reveals last year. Um, and I love, I love, love, love. And I really, really look forward to playing the game. Um, there is no release date for it yet, I believe. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's one that I totally, uh, I mean, I'll try my best to be able to play it. Hopefully it's not only, only on Xbox, it's going to be have like a Steam version or something. That would be really appreciated. Um, I mean, moving on from indie titles, there are still a few, um, you know, AAA titles. Obviously the big head, uh, the big hitter, there are, I think, three big hitters left that we saw. One was uh, Devil May Cry 5. Um, and then there was uh, obviously Cyberpunk 20, 2077, which ended the show. Uh, abruptly. <laughs> Cyberpunk uh, 2077 ends the show. Uh, this was the game everyone's very excited about, especially because we've been waiting a few years to get anything other than the teaser, and we got, well, a cinematic trailer instead, so still no idea how that's going to play, but uh, certainly the idea of a junk future and the style that it put across, but very much like Kung Fury, so um, I'm very excited to see that. I mean, before that, I mean, we obviously had uh, the return of Gears with Gears 5, uh, sorry, Gears of War 5, and many were very unhappy with how Gears of War 
was uh, introduced because we had this triple header of uh, Gears title, and they decided uh, to go with Gears Pop as the lead-in, <laughs> rather than uh, Gears of War 5. And Come on, building Star. anticipation. This is what you do. You you go, you start from the least anticipated one that is most likely to be hated on, and then you go, you know what? We got, we got something up our sleeves. We got tactics. You know, if you like, you know, maybe Final Fantasy tactics, Gears tactics is kind of like their take in this universe. And then, you know, after that, they come up with the big sequel that they're looking for. Yeah, um, obviously with, with Gears of War 5, it's a prequel. So it's, uh, set, I believe, 10 years before the first Gears game. Gears Tactic, I'm very excited for, man, because it's basically building on the popularity of Mario plus Rabbids with Kingdom Battle, because it is XCOM, but with Gears. It's such an expansive show. I mean, you can read all our coverage for all the conferences through that moment in .com. So if we have missed anything, uh, we have... Got some written uh, coverage for for you there, so it's kind of hard just to hit all these points. I mean, Microsoft, we could do this podcast on on Microsoft alone. It was such an expansive show and such a a show which got you. I think everyone's so excited just the titles that are coming out. I mean, looking at things that you even just get hints of, such as like Jump Force, uh, which Sekiro, so- Shadows Die Twice. Um, you know, there were Battle Toads, which is an exclusive. Yeah, Battletoads was actually the one I cared the least about of all these things. I think the big surprise to myself of the Microsoft confidence was Dying Light 2. Yeah. A game which combines free-running mechanics in a medieval-style post-apocalyptic future. And uh, this actually promises to finally deliver as a game where your choices do truly, in fact, impact on the world um, around you. Um, As we saw with the little the test footage that they showed there were a trade for water. You can either set up a black market, um, which then turns like the town into chaos, or you can uh, kill these guys and then t- then like a militia movement moves in. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see where Dying Light 2 comes. And uh, the fact that they focus more on the gameplay mechanics and the zombie mechanics just makes me only the more excited for it. To round up, I mean, Microsoft very much still in the game. Uh, their exclusives are very on point and plenty to be excited for if you're uh, an owner. We're not just talking about the established sort of like bigger heads, so like Gears of War 5 or Halo Infinite There's um, and Forza Horizon. There's just so much stuff there, like independent games that are coming out and it's just a very, very exciting uh, time to be an Xbox owner. But uh, yeah, definitely After Party. After Party I can see as being being the game that we're we're gonna be very excited about when it uh, when it comes out. I mean, I mean, like I'm gonna do a little tangent here before we jump into uh, talking about uh, Bethesda. But I mean, just looking at the 2019 titles coming out, be it mainstream, be it indie games, it is fantastic. Some not mentioned here, obviously some not in E3, but like a lot of the titles. I mean, I am looking forward to 2019 much more than I'm looking forward to 2018 to be honest. I don't know what I'm looking forward to this year. I don't even know what I'm looking forward to this year. I mean, A Way Out came out. We haven't played it yet. We're supposed to eventually. But other than that, I mean, obviously there was Fee. I I honestly like 20 I, 2019 is in my head right now. Mm. Um anyways, uh, after I saw fangirling about 2019, <laughs> let's get back into the present and look at um, Bethesda. Uh, well, Bethesda promised and teased and did all they could to really, really 
ramp up the enthusiasm and excitement and anticipation for their press conference, um, boasting that it's probably going to be the longest, which it turned out it was, mostly because Todd Howard spent, what, 30 minutes on stage talking? <laughs> um, and uh, obviously they had the whole tease with Rage 2 before they released that trailer a month before the conference. Um, they had a whole thing, which... Uh, was, I mean, I, th I think a week before the conference, which was uh, Fallout 76. Uh, if anybody sat through that, what, 24-odd hours stream or something, then I applaud you. I only watched the highlights. Um, <laughs> and then watch the teaser trailer. Because, <laughs> you know... I, you know, I don't get paid to sit around and watch a stream and not sleep. I treasure my sleep quite a bit. Uh, we have enough projects as it is. So obviously Bethesda had, uh, it, it had quite a few titles. I mean, there were some surprises. Uh, we had um, gameplay footage for mostly everything that we saw. Um, obviously, um, it's nice that, you know, they changed up the dynamic a little and, uh, you know, obviously there was, there's still Elder Scrolls talk, Elder Scrolls Online talk, talked about legends, and then, you know, obviously they ended the show with um, a very anticipated Elder Scrolls 6, which everybody has been wanting instead of seeing multiple versions and endless versions and adaptations of Skyrim. Obviously they kind of, uh, <laughs> they kind of made a joke on themselves and did this really humorous uh, trailer called the very special edition where Skyrim is on Alexa. Um, I have heard that it's a true thing. I don't know if that person is lying to me. Um, <laughs> it could be the case, but I would, ha I don't know if I'm interested in researching that more. Um, yeah, a very special edition with, I can't remember his name. Is it? Yeah. I don't know I remember. the name, but, no, just uh, the end of the special edition where he's like, come for your supplies. He's like, oh, you have no magic potions. And it's like, eat cheese. And his wife's in the background. He's still like, you know you can't eat cheese. He's like, eat all the cheese. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, that's that's me. It's good to see Bethesda <laughs> connecting with, the, with their, uh, their audience. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, the opening Bethesda when they did their usual, oh, look how happy our employees are and they show like the janitor and the the, the well, kitchen crew and stuff. It, it's really it's really funny because I can't really laugh at it in case like because I I do have a friend that is working in Bethesda and he was actually featured in the featurette. So for me to laugh at it, I feel kind of inappropriate doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, the so clip I, of the guy with the bin on his head while his friend hits him in the head with the sword. I mean that. That's just another day at the office here. No mind Bethesda. It's <laughs> what we spend a lot of time doing. Well, you know, this is, you know, we work out of home offices. So um, our, our two headquarters have our fun fun little elements. Any devs to have sat down for an interview with us know that uh, you will have cats and all kinds of noise happening all the time. <laughs> We're just overrun with studio cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our studio cats. We have numerous ones. So, so obviously, uh, Rage Two is one of your hugely anticipated. You were super excited about this. I remember when this first got. Oh uh, yeah, released. I think Rage Rage Two. I mean, this is being developed by Avalanche Avalanche Studios, who obviously did Mad Max. Probably one of the most underrated titles of late, and I don't understand why. It's a really fantastic game. Um, 
certainly when you look at the vehicle combat sections, they basically are doing the uh, what they did with the Man Max games here, and uh, I think that works really, really well. The footage here that was uh, introduced by a performance by Andrew WK, who I was very amped for. I can't say the same for the crowd, who looked like they've been brought there at gunpoint. And I have to say that if you if your crowd's if your crowd's not into it, do not focus the camera on them to remind you that they're there. Because to see Andrew WK going balls to the wall, saying like amping everyone up to do the theme tune for race two and you look at some guy clearly annoyed that you're interrupting his conversation um <laughs> no but it's you know talking with the crowds it's really funny because bethesda is very caring for their crowd i think so they have their speeches all scheduled out and there are pauses you know brilliant pauses expecting applause and you have this like <laughs> you know like unenthusiastic it's just you know it's like you're waiting for those few claps in the audience <laughs> and it's just so awkward but i mean they to to be honest um bethesda really did redeem themselves from last year um quite a lot i mean they got uh doom eternal which we got a teaser uh hell on earth and all that stuff um, I'm sure Doom fans are extremely excited to go back and slay some demons. Obviously, you know, Fallout 76, we got a lot of footage for it. A very extensive look at the world. Yet again, it's kind of like the Anthem and uh, the Forza and all that stuff. It's an open world simulated to everybody. And you have all your friends that you can go in. It's all real people. It's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's like your solo missions, but it's also better to play in teams. Um as I said, Bethesda is embracing um, this shift into, you know, playing games with your friends. Um, I think it's not a bad idea. I, I honestly think it's not that bad. Uh, obviously, it's harder. They say, obviously, they already said right away that, you know, it's harder to play solo. But, hey, if you get angry, you can go to a nuclear missile site and just blow everyone up. So why not, right? <laughs> Fallout 76 is a very big roll of the dice for Bethesda. I mean... They first of all, I mean, they started off. They they essentially set the table using the Microsoft con um, conference, and a lot of people were like, well, why are they doing the big reveal for Microsoft? And then you realize that they show, reveal what seventy six is at Microsoft, and that means the table sets. So when they come into their own conference, it's like we already know what we're getting. We can now focus on the more smaller details and everyone's already excited for this so it was a really smart move by Bethesda to use Microsoft to sort of mm -hmm. uh, as a launch point um, 76 I mean a lot of people thought it was going to be more like Fallout Shelter it was going to be like uh, kind of like a um, like a base building uh, sort well, of game well and... it's, it's still fairly base building I mean you are trying to rebuild um, the world after you know, after the the nuclear attack and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So I think I mean, still people kind of see it like a Fallout Shelter expansion from like, but more like a Fallout Four experience, except in a much bigger world because it's four times the size. Um, yeah, very much so. I mean, Fallout Four. One of the great things about Fallout Four was that it was all about base building and the idea you go out and you scavenge. And I know there's people out there because I've seen their YouTube videos and they don't play the game. They just like basically spend all the time building bases and grinds the wasteland just to scavenge resources. It's kind of like um, Home Makeover, just the very extreme edition. Uh, <laughs> she like 
Like, I'm going to go out to the wasteland and, like, battle a bunch of super mutants to get a screw uh, so I can, like, build my fan in my little apartment. And the... I mean, obviously, with Fallout 76, it's going to be sort of, like, very much a more online-based world, so you're going to be interacting with other players more. This, of course, brings the concern that we're going to end up with, like, GTA Online and the fact that you're just going to have people trolling you constantly, and I'm hoping that Fallout's going to be seen as too much of a highbrow title for these low lives to just be um, spamming it. But with the promise of small servers, these are going to be like 12 people at a time on a server. And just the style of gameplay, I'm hoping that Bethesda will have some plans in place to reduce the troll element. Certainly, they seem to have already got plans in place when it comes to like launching nuclear missiles and the fact that you have to collect all the launch keys before you can launch mm -hmm. a, a nuke or you have to team up with other people who've got yeah. other keys to try and piece it together. So yeah. it's not going to be the case of, oh, I'm just going to run into a, <laughs> into a bunker and then nuke my friend who's built something <laughs> nice. Wouldn't that be the dream? Pull a <laughs> tantrum like, online and then just blow everyone up, right? Just like, um, <laughs> well, you just go in the game and you're sort of like, you sort of like then, find your then, face then, just then, to rubble. And then our listeners are suddenly like, wow. Kim's pretty dark. <laughs> I don't know if I really want a course to, to cross her that bad. <laughs> 76, I mean, 76, I mean, how the VAT system's going to work, which is obviously the targeting system, and the fact that with VATS it slows everything down to a crawl and just these sort of slow motion sort of uh, shot moments, and I don't think that's going to work in this game. But, I mean, the fact that we're in West Virginia, it's a greener environment. It's also four times the size of the map. Than we saw in Fallout 4, so it's a very different environment than we've seen in previous Fallout games. There's a lot of questions, and I mean, I love the idea of the fact that they're bringing all the West Virginian folklore into the game, so you're going to be able to look for things such as like the Mothman um, and uh, their version of uh, Bigfoot, and it's going to be interesting just being able to learn for mythological creatures uh, in a Fallout game, and I can see it has a lot of potential, but at the moment, it's just how it works that is what worries me more. So as I posted on Instagram, this is a game that excites me as much as it worries me. But um, unquestionably a highlight of Bethesda's conference was getting C76. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm just kind of uh, curious to see how it goes. But I mean, this is coming out November 14th. So, you know, one of the few games we do get to uh, play this year. So, yay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, before we move on to uh, some bigger announcements, obviously, we had, you know, their eSports talks. Um, there was Elder, well, well yeah, eSports talks about, uh, you know, we had Elder Scrolls Online, which they talked about. But then, you know, they went on this big thing with a community manager, as everybody, every other company seems to be doing uh, for their eSports. And that's the upcoming release of Quake Champions. Obviously, right now, you can play the trial in early access. Moving on, obviously, Prey DLC also has um, upcoming, well, maybe not upcoming. One is already available, <laughs> Moon Crash, and uh, an upcoming one, which is also going to be available in VR called Typhon Fighter, uh, Typhon Hunter, which you can play with um, five other friends, uh, which seems like a really oddly balanced one because it's about you and five other friends as mimics. So uh, it's supposed to be a really scary hide-and-seek mode uh, with a lot of jump scares and such. Um, I don't know how that's going to exactly work. I, um, but, I mean, for fans of Prey, I'm sure, like, the additional content is definitely uh, a welcoming idea. Um, but, of course, the big title that I want to talk about is Wolfenstein Youngblood. 
um, a co-op experience with female protagonists, uh, which are the twin daughters of B.J. Blazkowicz. Yes. Um, I mean, we're obviously with, with this latest one, we're moving now into the 80s, um, following Blazkowicz's twin daughters, and most like, uh, most like Papa, they're all about killing Nazis. And, and, and you know what's even better for us is that we love co-ops, but 80s co-ops is exactly where we're at. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it would be nice to obviously see where they go with this world. Um, and I think this is a frustrating thing when you just have just cinematic trailers, um, is that you're never too sure, because, I mean, you can have a flashy trailer and some naff gameplay. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where it goes, and obviously I think over the next few months we'll start to see some more footage of these uh, games. I mean, we've got things such as like the PlayStation Experience, we've got the Video Game Awards still to come this year, so um, I would expect to hopefully see uh, see some footage from these games um, appearing at these events. So certainly there's plenty to look forward to going into award season, um, Yeah, which is always a, always a positive thing. Yeah, and I mean, talking about war seasons, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, as the year goes along, we're finally, like, now that, you know, one of um, our speculations was that the new IP was going to be announced for Bethesda, for Call Starfield, and I was very happy to see that it actually did finally make an appearance, and it wasn't just all rumors. Um, obviously, this was just really, like, what, a 20-second clip or something of, of a sign going on, a look at the space, and it was really nothing that you can really um, look at, but it's supposed to be a next-gen adventure, and um, I mean, we can only hope that next year's E3 for Bethesda is going to be, this is going to be a heavy focus. Now into the final of our shows of this, this first half of the uh, coverage, uh, we're going to end with Square Enix. Uh, this is the new boy of the conference and I think the one most people were very excited for which kind of made it all the more of a disappointment the fact that it was essentially a 30 minute uh, trailer video conference yeah yeah um, I mean right off the bat I mean a lot of people expected to see Final Fantasy 7 remake it didn't happen I think at this point (laughs) will it happen right this point stop teasing it I mean they need to stop saying yes it's in development yes it's in development but just decide if you're going to release the game or not, because at the moment we're four E3s down the line and it's still no closer to getting released. Yeah, but then, you know, I mean, um, I was I was watching the uh, GameSpot uh, talk before and they were talking about how they had to change who they were collaborating with and they weren't happy with uh, the team that was originally taking care of it and all that sort of like, you know, it kind of falls in the development hell. It gets a little scary whether the game will actually release. Um, but I mean, with the footage that they've shown, it definitely looks really promising. We can only hope that it's gonna be, it's gonna actually happen. Um, but you know, I mean, speculations aside and things didn't happen and, uh, all that stuff, uh, we did get, you know, quite a few trailers. Uh, we obviously got, um, the gameplay trailer for, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Which, you know, takes us in, which is something to be excited about. I, I am a fan of Tomb Raider, um, and especially the Origins games. Uh, I started playing them and they are really, really fun to play. And it really focuses on, you know, it kind of gives you a chance if you're not good at those, uh, combat and fighting. It has a little bit more of the quick time event sort of react, those sort of ideas. And it works really well. Um, I mean, obviously, this one feels a little bit more different because it kind of had that, you know, um, it had more of a 
Batman Arkham style. Uh, and yeah. it, it worked well for, for what it was trying to achieve. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Batman Arkham was a decent game for me. I only have a problem with the bosses, uh, some of the bosses. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're now, what, three, we're three games into the origin arc for, for Lara here at this point. I mean, each other, to, uh, Tomb Raider now moves the environment. The first game, we obviously, in the origin saga, we had the island set in. Then we were obviously into the mountains, and now we're off into the jungle. Um, and this time it's going to be Lara battling to stop a Mayan apocalypse, which is a really, really interesting setting. And certainly when we look at the new mechanics of this game, uh, the key one being referred to as being one with the jungle, um, which is essentially the same as the Batman stealth mechanics in the fact that you're working off intimidating and playing mind games with your opponents. And it's really adding that next level to the stealth element that's been within the first two games of you sneaking around with a bow and arrow and sniping off enemies and um, doing silent attacks on them and then when we were seeing the footage here we got to see her doing some really cool work with like the bow and rope arrow uh, where she was like basically hitting the guy and then hoisting him up like it was like she was her own version of the batarang and um, mm. it's really cool the fact that when she got into like certain areas it her skin almost became like a chameleon sort of effect where it like camouflaged to it. So it was, it kind of made more sense than, oh, I'm just standing in the shadows, you can't see me. Um, <laughs> which a lot of these games do with their sort of hide mechanic. It's like, oh, at least, you know, there's some sort of reason why they can't see there. So I'm excited to see it. I mean, I loved the first two games in the Origin Saga. Uh, obviously, the departure of Rihanna Patrick from the series does leave me a little more cautious. Um, because obviously she uh, didn't work on this one. And there's a lot of talk saying that this is going to be the one which brings us up to the end point of this one will be her obviously fully becoming the Tomb Raider that we all know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So that's yes to be seen. But certainly, I mean, from what we've seen, it all looks very exciting. Um, there's plenty yeah. to enjoy that. And the new mechanics all perfectly add on to what we have already. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking about sequels, uh, just Cause 4 also had a big reveal with game... Was it cinematic or gameplay? I think we had some gameplay. We got some um, gameplay um, as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I mean... mean it, it turned up at free conferences, so... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, it takes us back to Rico Rodriguez. It's uh, really a world... It's an open world with a storyline, but it's still, you know, you can do anything you want, pretty much. Uh, it has improved gear, improved graphics, um... Pretty much, it's in a new location, I believe, and yeah, uh, yeah. we're in the we're in a, a, fi a fictional South American uh, region this time. Um, this time, Rodriguez, it's a slightly darker story, which is very unusual for the Just Cause series because the Just Cause series was always about just essentially picking up where mercenaries left off, and it's all like, oh, let's go places and blow stuff up. Um, <laughs> so to have a darker edge to the gameplay was a little jarring. Um, at the same time, the you see mentioned already. I mean, there's there's new equipment, there's new vehicles. We now have natural disasters which are going to impact on the game. So we saw things such as like tornadoes, blizzards, sandstorms, lightning, and these are all going to impact the environment. And I think add even more sort of crazy moments to the sandbox experience when we already look at what people were doing with like Just Cause Three, uh, with like the rocket sheep and. <laughs> grappling people together. I mean, the grapple itself is going to have a longer tether. You can be able to grapple more vehicles together. Uh, you're going to be able to use, um, 
use of like balloons uh, on vehicles so that you can create like flying trucks and the potential for chaos and destruction has only sort of increased in this game and I'm hoping that the fact it's going for Darker Story doesn't impact on it too much but um, yeah this time he's going to be going up against uh, the villainous Gabrielle who leads the private militia group the Black Hand um, so yeah it's uh, I think we just got three they kind of finally nailed what sort of game they were trying to make I mean with the additional power of like the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 um, it finally felt I really like the game that they were trying to make uh, that that it felt like something had been missing with the first two and Just Cause 3 was just so much fun so I'm uh, certainly looking forward to seeing what uh, fun we can have with uh, Just Cause 4 especially when you got the idea of playing around with bulldozers and wrecking balls and cranes and <laughs> it's all like you're watching it and it's going like I'm going to take one of those and one of those I'm going to do that <laughs> and I'm tossing in a tornado you know yeah it's um, like I'm, <laughs> I'm going so to like put triple X to shame <laughs> yeah so obviously the sequels don't end there we also got the announcement that everybody knew would happen is Dragon Quest 11 Echoes of an Elusive Age um, I'm not much of a Dragon Quest fan, but it is going to be a colorful RPG. It's more of a cinematic thing we got. Um, there's going to be a collaboration between Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, uh, which will release in September 2018. Um, and this game is getting a bunch of limited edition stuff uh, that you can get uh, with a lot of collectible goodies for fans of the game. And it will be releasing this year, September 4th. On PlayStation 4 and Steam. I think one of those things which is very um, special about Square Enix is that a lot of the games are going to be only on PlayStation and Steam. Um, I don't know if they're going to eventually get Xbox, but I have no idea. Um, but uh, obviously, other than that, there's the heavy hitter of the show. Everybody's excited for it. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I'm still in the middle of Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, working through some levels. Uh, the games are long. Um, they're very, very, like, but they are so fun to play. And, I mean, even though I haven't finished any of an actual Kingdom Hearts, I was also very excited. And um, surprisingly, I mean, Square, uh, I mean, this uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 also showed up at three conferences. Uh, this one and this trailer that showed was an extended version of the one that was as Xbox. But surprisingly, when it hit uh, PlayStation, we actually got another footage, which I was scratching my head why we didn't get it here. Um, obviously, you know, we're looking at Frozen. There's going to be Monsters, Inc. World. There's going to be... Um, and in the PlayStation, we saw that Pirates of the Caribbean is also making an appearance there. Um, a lot of really cool things. It seems like there's a whole story focused around like Arendelle and um, Elsa and Anna and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's a really promising experience. Uh, obviously I'm not jumping into it right away until I finish the previous games, uh, which will take a while, but it is a very anticipated title. Um, but I think one of the ones that really caught our hearts is the awesome adventure of Captain Spirit, which we had mentioned from Xbox, uh, which is a lead in to, um, to Life is Strange 2. And uh, kind of, and what's even better about it is that it's going to be 100% free and it's launching at the end of, uh, on June 26th. Yeah. 
I mean, it's funny if we obviously go from Kingdom Hearts uh, to Captain Spirit. I mean, Kingdom Hearts, I was never sure whether it was a kid's game or a, or a game for anyone, everyone, really. And certainly, I think, like much like yourself, I mean, I, I made it partway through Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, I never actually played anymore because I could never figure out, what, as I said, whether it's a game for an adult or it's a kid's game. But um, with Kingdom Hearts, we're obviously going to get the big old box set. So you're going to get all three parts in one if you want to go that. And again, with Captain Spirit, I mean, this is a game. It's all about childlike wonder. And and I, I was so charmed by this game. I was uh, I think this is already one of my favorite games of, of the conference. And I think a lot of people thought it was it was going to be more than a lead into Life is Strange 2, which they've done very yeah. subtly. I mean, even then, it's not directly linked to Life is Strange 2, though choices you make playing Captain Spirit will affect um, events in Life is Strange 2. So we surprisingly didn't get anything for Life is Strange 2. I was expecting yeah. to have some sort of reveal. Some yeah. Sort of didn't happen. Yeah. The second disappointment of the night, I think, would be that Life is Strange 2 didn't have any reveals. Um, mm. But I mean... I mean, talking about reveals, we did get two really awesome-looking uh, games, uh, mostly cinematic, obviously. We don't really know what's going to be going on with them in particular, but we do have Babylon's Fall, uh, which got a really cryptic thing about uh, Halo something, which I can't remember it anymore. And um, there was uh, obviously the one for Quiet Man, which I was very excited about uh, after watching it, although I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> Really? I was very underwhelmed by The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man, I mean, is obviously going to blend cinematics with actual gameplay. And it looks so... It's, I'm just going to come out and say it looked naff. As soon as we went into the gameplay, the actual gameplay from the cinematics. And, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a deaf guy who knows Kung Fu. Um, that, that seems to be it. But, I mean, this is actually going to be a game that you can be able to finish in one setting. So, this is the... How, I mean, how are we calling games like this? Is this the AAA indie? I, I think, I, I, you know what, I mean, I'm going to give it a chance mostly because I, I really do enjoy the idea of the protagonist being deaf and all that stuff. And, and I am into, like, the whole story-driven thing and that kind of FMV sort of feeling. But, I mean, we're very different. We are very different gamers, so that could be, you know, very different. And plus, you have really high standards for films, as, you know, we know. And uh, and pretty much, you know, that was it for Square Enix. There wasn't really a whole lot. We also got, you know, that they're going to have um, a Nintendo Switch exclusive called Octopath Traveler, which seems like the only things we ever get from that is uh, trailers after trailers of cinematics. <laughs> Nothing much. So... Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine the game is going to be coming out this year, and there's really nothing much going on. Um, suffice to say, I think Square Enix was a bit of a letdown. There were some good news. There was some interesting things. Uh, a lot of things to wait to see. Uh, I'm not exactly sure it was a conference I wanted. Uh, um, but <laughs> it's. I'm hoping if they show up again next year, it's going to be... Uh, they've learned from this year to be a little bit better and not just you know smash you with uh trailers after trailers i mean i know it's a video conference but still uh it it, it could be done with a little bit more heart it wasn't i think it wasn't what what we expected and i think if i think if we perhaps ea hadn't been so disappointing if like bethesda hadn't 
again been so mixed. I think we perhaps wouldn't have minded this one being the way it was, but I think the fact we'd already had two disappointing conferences at this point from heavy hitters hitters of the of uh, of the E three conference, it kind of like <laughs> it kind of makes us judge it all the more harshly. Really, it's sort of like uh, from especially when when I mean E three is like our big our big conference of the year. I mean, this is like our Christmas and Hanukkah. It's yeah. all, all your birthdays come back together and you, you come to E3 yeah. we, we, like so excited and then when yeah. they drop the ball like this, it's so like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really the fact that I, 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 I would have to doubt that. I, I don't think Bethesda was very, um, it was mixed, but not disappointing, I guess, because yeah. I didn't really have a lot of high expectations for it. But Square Enix is one that, you know, you know that they've been around a long time, that they have the potential to make really great games, and it's amazing that they have their own conferences, their own conference, so that they can reveal their own information. And yet, they vouch for the route of just showing trailers and having, like, you know, two games that really had a lot of description. Um, other than that, everything else was just, like, a, you know, constant drop. It was, like, a, a non-stop overwhelming overload of information um i mean i don't know the first half of the e3 uh the standout is definitely xbox uh obviously uh it's quite the surprise but i am really excited about you know all the indie titles we saw and all that sort of stuff i mean bethesda had some cool titles as well um i have to say so far in our thing um EA probably is the one that's falling. Well, maybe Square. I don't know. EA and Square are kind of the same level. They have some exciting titles, but mostly it was a little bit sad. Um, it lacked a lot of excitement that would have continued on for the rest of the weekend, especially with Square starting off the Monday events. Um, and uh, Monday was a heavy day <clears throat> with uh, four conferences, uh, including the PC gaming show. Um, so I think this wraps up this uh, first half of our E3 yeah. press conference impressions. Uh, EA, Bethesda, Microsoft, Square Enix. Um, the, in the description below, you're going to see all of our full recaps and impressions. Uh, in case there was anything that we skipped over, you can find it in the description below. Um, with that said, next, uh, next, the part two will be covering Ubisoft, PlayStation, PC gaming show, and Nintendo. Um, I hope that, you know, everybody comes back to check that one out. Obviously, it should be up shortly after this one. Um, with that said, thanks so much for watching. Um, if you enjoy the show, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, for, for gaming news, <laughs> let me see, I don't have my thing. Um, if you want to uh, head over to thatmomentin.com to read our gaming reviews. You can find new game release, game gaming news every single day on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Game Warp Podcast, uh, facebook.com slash Game Warp Podcast. You can see uh, some gaming obsessions that we've been having over on Instagram, instagram.com slash Game Warp Podcast. And obviously, when we do stream, you can find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Game Warp Podcast. Till next time, bye. We'll